Welcome to a special NBA edition of the Prop Shop. I'm your host, Bobby Stanley, also known as Prop Holiday on social media. As always, this show is sponsored by Eric LeGrand's Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Raise a glass to giving back. Every purchase of Eric LeGrand's premier Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey directly supports community members living with paralysis. Our whiskey is made with choice heartland-grown corn, limestone purified water, and the freshest rye and barley available. When you pick up a bottle of Eric LeGrand uh, bourbon, we make a donation to the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. So you enjoy the finest bourbon around, and you also lend a helping hand. Pick up a bottle of Eric LeGrand Premium Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey today, and cheers to a cause. Please enjoy responsibly. Uh, produced by Eric Grand Spirits, distilled in Owensboro, Kentucky, bottled in Bardstown, Kentucky, and it is 88 proof by volume. Now, normally I open these shows uh, with an opening monologue, with a topic, but as far as being NBA today, I'm excited for our guest. Former NBA player, 10-year vet, he was a member of the Warriors, the Bulls, the Nets, the Pacers, and the Magic, dropped a career-high 40 points against the Kings, and I'm excited to bring in Mr. C.J. Watson himself. I want to talk basketball. What's going on, man? Good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I know you're doing some work with Believe. You're hosting the uh, Chicago Bulls. What's the title of the, of the Bulls podcast on Believe? Uh, it's called Believe in Bulls. Uh, I'm a co-host of my man, Nick. Uh, Nick is the man. He's, he runs the show. But, you know, we're talking about the Bulls all day, 24-7, two times a week, Monday and Thursday. Good stuff. So everybody in the Midwest, believe in the Bulls. CJ, are you believing in the Bulls right now? No, not right now. <laughs> I'm not a believer. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a part of a process, I feel like. But, you know, they're going through tough times right now. But hopefully they can turn around. So they're sitting at two and five. Rumors are are floating. Um, Zach Levine getting moved to 76ers is something that people are talking about. Um, yeah. That would likely if they move from Levine, it's maybe they start to reset the clock. Maybe they maybe they say, OK. We're waving the white flag on the DeRozan, Vooch, Levine, which it's a shame because when they had Lonzo Ball, that team was playing damn good basketball. They they were yeah. out front in the East, I think, in that small sample size. Lonzo gets hurt, and it kind of all goes to shit, sad to say. what What's your personal – I hate to say – I mean, they look, they look good. Where do you see the direction of the Bulls going as they currently sit at two and five, uh, but it's still early in the season? Yeah, it's definitely still early in the season. I think if they can't really turn this season around, then they probably either trade either Zach or Demar uh, before trade deadline, try to get some assets back. And uh, like you said, just try to rebuild because right now they're not playing great chemistry basketball right now. Uh, I think mm -hmm. there's just something in that locker room. If you have a, a players only meeting after the first game of your season, I think that's a that's a sign for a, a bad cause right there. I wasn't a big fan of that, uh, especially, you know, in the paper when you read the articles and stuff like that. Coach tried to come in, in the locker room. The players told him to get out. Uh, that that to me is is a red flag right there. So there's something brewing in that locker room. I don't know if it's the chemistry, the leadership, uh, what to say. But like you said, ever since Lonzo got hurt, it kind of just went downhill from there because he was basically your leader. He was guys. He got guys the ball in certain positions and shots, and he was a two way player. He played offense and defense. So you know, um, so he was definitely just the, the leader of that ship. I think. Yeah. No, and it's it's a shame they have they. The Bulls put all their chips in 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 the middle. They went, they got Vooch, they brought in, um, you know, they, they got Levine, they got DeRozan, they made a move for Lonzo, they bring in Caruso. And the first couple games, uh, I think last season, it it looked like it was paying off. And then yeah. it, or I think it was the season before, and then it, it kind of goes sideways. And now this season, you mentioned the early, um, you know, the players only meeting. There's talk of Pat Williams wanting all of this <laughs> money. And Billy yeah. Donovan comes out and says he's a part of our long-term plans, and then he benches him for Tory Craig. That 
maybe that kind of sums it up in a nutshell where the players are at with coaching, where he says one thing, he's doing another. Uh, yeah. What do you make of the Pat Williams situation, him getting moved? I mean, I think – yeah, I think it's definitely you know, probably needed or caused. Uh, I feel like I thought he would have a breakout year this year. Um, but I just think, you know, when players are talking about their contracts and all that kind of stuff, that just messes up the whole team chemistry and messes up everything, you know, from because guys are just worried about their stats now. They're not worried about playing good basketball. So every team that I've been on and that has happened has never been a good situation. I, unsuccessful teams, we all know who the superstar was. We all know we all just fought a line and played our role. And obviously if we win, everybody's going to get paid. So that's just the end of the day. But uh, I think when when you're talking about your, your personal contracts and all that kind of stuff, it's never good for the team chemistry. You mentioned teams you played on, man. I so I'm 34. I you know I grew up as an NBA fan. My yeah. I, I was I am I am a LeBron fan. I'm that's right. I, I don't follow a team. <laughs> right. I die hard. But before I, I want to say before I was really big into Derrick Rose, huge D Rose fan. Yeah. 2011-2012 Bulls team that you were on was one of my favorites to watch. It was during the lockout season, and yep. it was just stacked with guys that had long-term NBA careers. I was looking it up this morning, remembering back. It was you, Dang Rose, Joakim Noah Boozer, Rip, Kyle Korver, Taj Gibson, and a rookie Jimmy Butler on Tibbs' second year. Was that yeah. one of and your Ronnie, more Ronnie Brewer, teams? too. Ronnie Brewer, uh, Omar Asik, yeah. and I think like the last yeah. year's Brian Scalabrini. Um, yeah, Scal, <laughs> the White Mamba. <laughs> the White Mamba. He, uh, he actually, so I work, um, I work for Pixwise, and he used to be an analyst at Pixwise two years ago. Okay. He's, um, he's an interesting guy. But that team yeah. won 50 games. That team won 50 games in a 66-game season. You were the best defensive team in the league. You let up 88 points per game. Yeah. Where does that team or where do where do you rank some of the teams you were on in your career? How, how did that one match up versus some of the other ones? Because that one I, I remember love watching. Yeah, that one was uh, you know, top one or two. I feel like that one that year we were uh had the best record in the league. And the year before that, when we lost LeBron and uh D Wade in the Eastern Conference mm-hmm. Finals, we had the best record in the league also. So uh we just like I said, we just knew who the superstar was, which is D Rose and then Everyone else from that uh, team fell in line. Uh, we didn't. There was no egos. Tib he, Tibbs held everyone accountable. Uh, we, were, mm-hmm. we preached defense, defense first. Um, and you know, second unit came in, and sometimes we were better than the first unit. So I think that's yeah. when you have a, a great successful team because we were always pushing that first unit to be better. And they knew if they weren't playing good, we would come in and play better than them. <laughs> and they didn't want that, so they would always, you know, try to be on their p's and q's. But I think overall, as a team, it was it was so fun because we all hung out together even after the games. Uh, we all went to eat out. You know, we would go out and you know have fun. We would do it all together as a team. So it was never like one person over here, one person over there. It was all just all together. And I think that's how you make those uh, those friendships and those great teams. Yeah. No, and that you you played with some of the I would say one of some of the premier point guards of an entire generation from the early yeah. 2000s through the 2010s. The three that stood out to me, obviously Derrick Rose, you know, freak yeah. athlete, incredible talent, but Baron Davis was probably one of my favorite players growing up. Yeah, and, me too. Um, and then and then Deron Williams, and then Deron yeah, Williams. Yeah. What what was it like playing with those guys in practice? Picking up little things from a Deron Williams, a Baron Davis, and then I mean yeah. maybe not picking up from Derrick Rose, but he was a little bit younger. But still, what was it like playing with those three very different style point guards? Man, it was fun. It was crazy because uh, my first year I came in the league, uh, Baron was my my starter. He was my my bet or whatever. So. Like I said, I used to, he was my favorite uh, player growing up. I used to play with him on video games, and now I walk into practice. Now he's my teammate, <laughs> now a friend or whatever. So it's just different. But I picked up a lot of things from him. 
just the way he plays the game at different paces. Uh, D Rose, just the speed. Obviously, I couldn't immaculate his speed, uh, but uh, just the things, the different ways he played the game, and just to see guys uh, see how he tore up the league. I feel like uh, no one ever thought that we would come in as that Bulls team and you know go from a non-playoff team and go to the one of the best teams in the league and maybe you know potentially win the championship, and then just learn from D D Will just the uh, the pace he plays. Also, all those guys played at different paces, but still at their own place. And all those guys are bigger guards like D Will and uh, Baron were big bulky guards who were fast and, and jump or explosive. Uh, but D Rose was a, a different level of explosive. <laughs> he had that with speed and, and, uh, and his jump shot came later on. But like at, at that time, like he really didn't need his jump shot because he can get to the basket at any time, however he wanted to. It was, it was freakish when, when Derek Rose came to the league, I remember watching him on ESPN. He was playing at Simeon. Then obviously he goes to Memphis, but his, yeah. I mean, his first step, the explosion, it was, yeah. and then obviously it's it the youngest MVP in the league. When, when you first started playing with him before the MVP, did you see it? Was it one of those things where it's, it's very obvious that this is different? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like when I played against him, maybe the first couple of years, I didn't, I mean, obviously he was good, but I didn't think he would be like the MVP or whatever. And, uh, you know, there's different times that you can obviously back up off of him because he couldn't shoot that well. But when I had to go up and practice against him every day, I could see the the, the work he put in, obviously, and just the, the time he put in to be great. And then, like I said, just see guys like I, I seen future all stars like fake injuries and say they're sick or hurt because they didn't want to guard D Rose that night. So <laughs> I just saw that, that, that when I saw that, that was crazy. I was like, oh, this is a different guy. He's a he's on a different level. And uh, I'm glad I'm just his teammate. I don't have to guard him uh, in games. <laughs> That I mean, that's that's pretty fun to hear. Um, when you look at the NBA point guard position today, it's certainly evolved, probably starting in that that Steph Curry mold. It's the deepest I would say it's ever been with, yeah. um, you know, the the De'Aaron Foxes, the you know now the Scoot Hendersons. Who are a couple of point guards that you see in today's NBA? Probably not just not just young, but you, we can go back five six years. Who are some yeah. guys that catch your eye that? you would have loved to play with play against or you just you appreciate their game um obviously i love uh damon lillard uh played against him a few couple years uh just love the way he uh takes pride in the game uh loyalty to, to his game and then also just the work he puts in uh love De'Aaron fox uh what he does his speed kind of reminds me of like another d rose uh, but not maybe not explosive um mm -hmm. who else who else do i like uh those are like, kind of like the two off the top of my head. I feel like I, uh, Jamal Murray also, he's a bigger guard, like Baron Davis, you know, D-Will type guy. So uh, those guys I think are going to, you know, uh, hold that point guard position down for a long time. <laughs> no, it's it's getting pretty crazy. And then you and then you got guys like the new breed of a, of a Cade Cunningham and a Luka Doncic yeah. where they're point forwards, they're point slashers. And it's yeah. it, it, it just the game has evolved so much. What – I mean, from when you played to now, what would you say is the biggest difference? Is it the spacing? Is it the threes? Is it defensively? Maybe they're not as engaged. Like, what do you see as a biggest? This is a stark difference from when I played to what I'm watching now. I would just say the way they shoot the threes, um, good or bad threes, uh, they're putting them up. <laughs> Back in the day when I was playing, uh, our coaches only wanted to take open, open threes. Uh, I was a point guard who came in you know, who would shoot, dribble up, pull up threes, and my coaches did not, did not like me doing that. I mean, I made some of them, uh, some I missed, but my coaches didn't like that. But I think the biggest thing is just the way they shoot the three, uh, the spacing, um, and then just having the confidence. Everyone on the court is is, a, is an option, I feel like. So that's a, that's a good thing about basketball, and it's fun to watch. Nice. So one of the biggest changes, probably, and it's brand new, um, 
is the new NBA in-season tournament. Obviously, this is the first year that they've ever had it. The NBA is hinting with, I think it's one, the getting players back on the court, making sure they're not doing the rest games. So they're trying to yeah. keep them engaged early on in the first half of the season. The way yeah. I've always viewed the NBA in that, it's not even October because it starts the last week of October, but October, November, December is you're really figuring out your rotations. There's no preseason, so you're kind of playing yourself into game shape. So these first right. couple months, maybe the effort isn't 100%, and you're not really sure who your top seven is or what your, your best shakeout is. And this is a way for the NBA to maybe get those players engaged. What, what do you see of this in-season tournament? What's your perspective of what the NBA is trying to do here? I mean, I like it. I think it's more so for the fans more than the players. I feel like just to get to keep the fans engaged throughout the season. Um, like you said, there's a lot of the period of time. A lot of players are just playing into game shape. Uh, coaches are trying to find what lineups work, what lineups don't work, uh, try to get ahead of the system. because They know maybe later in the season they'll lose some games uh, by just you know teams playing harder than them. But I think it's uh, definitely fun. You're going to see the energy ramp up, especially when the, uh, it comes like quarterfinals, semifinals time. So, I think it's a good thing for the for the players. Hopefully they'll take advantage of it. And, you know, hopefully they'll, you know, obviously there's a lot of money on the line. So um, it's definitely they're going to play for something. So I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. They're not just playing just for, you know, uh, for nothing. And it's not adding more games into the season also. Yeah. And I think that was a big piece of it. It was that this isn't changing. It's still your regular, you know, 82 yeah. game season. We're not we're not doing anything different here. The only thing we, are, we have the group play. We go to knockout. Um, and then I, I think the so the knockout round starts December fourth and fifth. The championship is in December 9th. It's at a neutral site in Las Vegas. So when you're and the NBA has this, uh, and I guess you could say baseball and, and NHL as, as well. When you're in a seven game series, the best team's going to win. The cream normally yeah. rises to the top. Normally you can get a team right. to steal game maybe two. The best team will win in a seven game series. What yeah. I think is interesting about this. Is when you go to a knockout stage, you go you go to that that one and done. Um, we may see a team hoist this NBA Cup uh, yeah. that you probably wouldn't think. Personally, I don't think Steph Curry and LeBron James and probably Kevin Durant. I don't think this is a top their list of things to achieve. Just for argument's sake. <laughs> um, <laughs> but maybe that second tier of superstar. Maybe that Tyrese Halliburton, Ant Edwards, because you know some of the guys from the FIBA team. Maybe a Pelicans yeah. team with a Zion and a Brandon Ingram, who, if they make it out of that group stage, you know, you get a couple wins, yeah. you're, you're one of the, the ones that advance. These are teams that I think you you can see make a run at this because one, they're going to play because they want to play. Zion needs to get in game shape, but yeah. they may care a little bit more than a LeBron, a KD, a Steph, something like that. So. Do you have any early projections who you think may be able to come out on top of which team? Uh, I mean, I like Boston. I think Boston's uh, a good choice for me to pick. They're, they're talented from top to bottom. Um, and I think guys I think guys will want to, to win this trophy because it's about bragging rights. I think everyone mm -hmm. wants to be a winner at the end of the day. If I can add to my legacy with the first ever, you know, uh, in-season tournament, why not, you know, Put that on my resume <laughs> so i think they're definitely gonna work hard and play for it um, like you said just just depends on who it is but i think for right now we see that they're they're playing hard all the games are close i think all the games were like blowouts or something like that and then you would see like a you know some lack lack of physical effort but i think the effort is there for right now and hopefully you know it continues to say the celtics are an interesting team because yes they're I mean, I think they're the best team in the East. Um, their starting five, I would say, is probably the most talented starting five. You could yeah. start picking apart a little bit on their bench. You know, 
what do we think of some of their their tertiary pieces. But they're a team that it's still so new that yeah. they have to be engaged early. These these yeah. moments matter for them as a team that, yes, they're that good. But with Chris Stapps, with Drew, they're still figuring some things out. So I think you'll get a little more effort out of them. And it kind yeah. of segues into another team that I think these next few weeks are really going to matter, and it's the Los Angeles Clippers. Obviously, yeah. they they just, yeah, I'm really good at this segue thing, man. Uh, <laughs> they, they just trade for James Harden. I don't know your thoughts on James Harden. I would love to get them. I, I love your. I would love to know your thoughts on the trade before we talk about the Clippers. This is a big move. It shakes up the yeah. East. It shakes up the West. Um, early first initial thought when you saw Harden has moved again, forced his way out, and now he's in the Clippers. I mean, it just shows you that this is a player's league, you know, and uh, guys, when they don't want to play somewhere, they're going to force their way out, which is not good. But, you know, uh, it's just the way it is right now. But uh, I don't I don't really like this trade, honestly. I think I think if you should have went anywhere, you should have went to the Lakers. I think you have been better fit for the Lakers than another person who can create their own shot. Um, and, that, and that's what James Harden can do. But him on the Clippers, it's just too many people. They got four or, you know, probably future Hall of Famers uh, who need the ball at all times. Who's going to take the – who's going to sacrifice the ball, sacrifice minutes, sacrifice shots? And uh, my only pick would probably be Russell, and he's going to get the bad end of the stick again. <laughs> and it's not – probably not the best. I, think, I thought he found a home that, you know, he's uh, he's found his little – found his space. But now, you know, his buddy James is coming to take off this, that shine now. And uh, I don't think it's going to work out. But like I said, we'll, we'll see. I'm sure Ty Lue is probably – drawing up plays and trying to figure out ways to make this work. And I know he will make it work because he's a good coach, but I don't see it working personally. No, we're hundred percent aligned on this, man. You, you, you hit the <laughs> nail on the head. You, you got four guys who, who are at their best when the ball is yeah. in their hand. I mean, Paul George, yes, he already played with Russ. Russ already played with Harden, but I actually thought the Clippers early on before the Harden trade, it, it might've been what five or six games. I thought they looked yeah. good, and I thought they had a yeah. chance to really make something with this team where, okay, we got all three. We got our big three all playing right from the jump, which is huge for Kawhi right. and Paul George. For them, it, that entire Clippers team, it wasn't about talent. It was about cohesion. It was about playing right. together more than the last 30 games of the season. So you were getting that right off the jump. This move, anything they had cohesion-wise through five or six games is thrown to yeah. the wall, and <laughs> and – and they're already and Ty Lue is very clear from the jump. James Harden is starting. Yeah. Who bring? I mean, I'm going to say James Harden brings the ball up, but if if Russell Westbrook stand there on the wing, what what is he doing? You're you're put, you're essentially yeah. playing five on four defensively. No one's going to guard yeah. him on the perimeter. Um, right. And then Paul George is. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I love Paul George. He's he's one of I think one of the more underappreciated players over the last 10 years that kind of got lost in all this was playing some fantastic basketball last season when Kawhi was out making plays yeah. as a distributor, just kind of running the one man show another guy great with the ball in his hand. So I don't know how this plays out. And when your, your star is a guy who's no new a just kind of introvert and go and not say shit and just, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to play. That's like the worst case scenario. Kawhi is not yeah. going to complain. He's not going to say anything. He's gonna be like, I, you know, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm not playing this game or the right. the second of a third. You know, I, it just it, it, it threw me off. I didn't understand this piece, but with with Ty Lu, he he says it's it's gonna be about sacrifice. That was his yeah. quote when they make this trade. Right. And then James Harden's quote is, 
I'm I don't play in a system. I am the system. <laughs> That's the opposite of a sacrifice. Yeah, it's like like I said, I don't think it's gonna last too long. This is gonna be an unhappy marriage. I think for all all parties, it's I mean, it's good for you know Clippers to get some you know some PR from it, but I don't think it's gonna work on the court. Like you said, a lot of guys are gonna have to sacrifice, and then uh, they're just limiting themselves because now, like you said before, they were playing good basketball. Russ was doing what he was doing. He, he mm-hmm. found his spots where to pick and choose, where to shoot threes and stuff like that. Now. They can just sag off of him, and he—he's—he's he's a, he's a better player when he has a ball in his hands, when he has rhythm. That's why—that's when I feel like he's making shots yeah. and has confidence to make shots. Now, when you get the ball, maybe ever every two or three trips down the down the court when you're in the game, I don't know if he's going to have that rhythm and that confidence to shoot those shots. And it's going to be a liability for the Clippers now. Yeah, or just when he—if he crosses half court and he gets downhill with a ton of speed, now we're playing to his strengths. Right. Now we're keep, right. getting everyone off guard, and he's smart enough to kick it out. Whereas James yeah. Harden holds the ball. The only one who holds it longer than him is Luca. So it's yeah. just two <laughs> it's just two very, very different styles that I, yeah. I don't I don't know how it works. And you you mentioned a PR move. They got a one point two billion dollar stadium opening next year that they need to yeah. sell season tickets for. I think right. this move speaks more to that than um than what's on the floor. But this Clippers team in the in the in season tournament, it they need to play. And they need to yeah. give a damn because they need to work this out. Because if not, like you said, maybe that maybe there's not maybe there's another move to make before the deadline. So I think we're gonna see yeah. we're gonna see uh, at least a solid three four weeks of the Clippers um, trying to make this work. And it happens to coincide with this in season tournament. I'd be curious if they could if they can make it work. Yeah, I think um, so too. And I think the biggest thing is just more like on defense is because James and Russ don't really play a lot of defense, but the other two stars kind of do play defense. So it's going to be interesting yeah. to see how much of a liability that's going to be on both sides of the ball. They need shooters, man. I mean, I was just looking at this yeah. roster. They let Covington go. Covington, you're, you're you know, a prototypical 3 and D guy. I, I know they had to make yeah. it work for the expiring stuff. But I, I would if I'm them, I'm looking for guys to stand in the perimeter and yeah. at least open up some <laughs> facing in the middle. And and play yeah. defense. So I, I, yeah. I'd be curious where this goes. They got Zubox and Plumley, uh, which you need in the West with a Jokic, with an Anthony yeah. Davis. Um, but I think they need a little bit more of those wing guys. I'd be curious yeah. to see how Bones Highland works with. If Bones Highland can't <laughs> make it work with Nikola Jokic, Lord help him with James Harden. Yeah, um, yeah, you definitely won't make it work with him. <laughs> um, we, I, I know you're not a big betting guy, CJ, but we do have that is kind of the deal with the show. Um, I want to tell you, I want to throw some, some, some bets your way, but before we go into my play tonight on Victor Wimbanyama, what are your early thoughts of this alien of a human being? I mean, I love his game. I love watching him play. He was one of the players, uh, coming to this season. I was really excited to watch play him and Chet Holmgren. Uh, so I love watching both of them play, but Victor is just Mm -hmm. something we've never seen before. You know, seven foot four guy getting the rebound, blocking shots, uh, catching lobs that really aren't lobs and turning them into dunks, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. shooting floaters, uh, you know, locking down people, handing the ball in the pick and roll. So I think uh, this is just the future of the NBA right here. We're just going to see more and more players like his caliber come into the NBA and, you know, dominate and take over. He he played uh, he played 38 minutes last night in an overtime uh, victory, and he picked up – no, I'm sorry, it was, a, it was an overtime loss. I apologize. He picked up the ball at the three-point line, had two steps, and dunked it. And I, I've just I've never I've never yeah. seen any. It was effortless. I've never seen anything right. like it. 
I, I've been watching basketball probably since I was seven or eight, and this is this is unheard of. <laughs> my my play my play for tonight is Wembanyama under twenty and a half points. And to give you a little bit of insight on how I bet and why I bet, uh, one the public loves overs. Everybody loves betting points uh, and betting overs, but the sports books make a killing on that. When I look at any type of line, points or rebounds or anything, I try to break it down to a number. And with this, it's how many points per minute. If you're on the floor, yeah. you average you know 20 points a game. You divide that by right. how many minutes. I can get your points per minute. With Wembanyama, it's 0.67. He's playing his first back-to-back. He's coming off 38 minutes of play in an overtime game. In no world do I see Greg Popovich giving this guy 30 plus minutes. And that's the number he would have to hit for 20 and a half yeah. to be attractive. So I see Pop controlling his minutes just because it's his first back to back ever. And not only that, he played 38 minutes last night. Looked good though. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, this Pacers team, they're they're scrappy. Miles Turner is athletic enough to bring you out to the perimeter, which is where some of his scoring is coming from. And I actually yeah. really like Jalen Smith, formerly of the Phoenix Suns. I Louisville guy. I I, I think he's a He's a guy that you, you need on your roster at some point. But they, right. they have some guys to throw at Wemby. I don't like the number, and I just don't think Pop will risk him playing a, a back-to-back 30-plus minutes again. Yeah, I mean, I would take the under, too. Uh, like you said, back-to-back, first back-to-back ever. Um, <clears throat> I think Pop, uh, if it's close, he might play over 30 minutes, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't see him getting over 20 points even if he does play over 30 minutes. Um, but you never know. But uh uh, rookies, he's he's a different caliber. He's a unicorn, so he might, you know, uh, make your bet bad. <laughs> he he has gone over twenty points in three of six games. All three of those games, he either I'm sorry, he'd gone over in two of six games. Uh, the two that he went over, he played thirty four minutes and thirty one minutes. Uh, he played thirty almost thirty eight minutes last night. He finished with twenty on the nose. So for him to get twenty last night, he still yeah. couldn't do it in thirty eight minutes. I, I'm going under on Wembenyama tonight. Yeah, um, I would I would take that one with you too. Now, what Russell Westbrook? We talked about him a few minutes ago in this Clippers team. They're playing the New York Knicks. They give up the fewest points in the paint. It's a Tibbs team. Their defense is the is the forefront of whatever a Tibbs team is. His yep. points and assists. So combined total between the two, it's nineteen and a half. He's leading this Clippers team prior to the Harden trade in minutes. He's playing thirty three minutes a game. I think even 20 minutes of James Harden, and he is starting tonight, is going to, one, eat into Russell Westbrook's minutes, and two, I think it's going to take the ball out of his hands. When Russ is at his best, it's when he's finishing at the rim, and it's against uh, a Knicks team giving up the fewest points in the paint. So I'm going under on this Russell Westbrook line, but I I guess tell me a little bit about Tibbs' defensive scheme, if you can. What's What's a Tibbs' defense mindset? Uh, so this defensive mindset is keep the ball out of the paint, uh, trying to not let the opponent, you know, get to the point, get get to the paint, get easy baskets, and also contain the three point line. That was that was his biggest thing, you know, uh, in in film meetings and stuff like that. So I think definitely this would be a this would be a good bet because, like you said, I think with James Harden tonight, uh, first game they're going to see how he plays, but that's going to take the ball out of Russ's hands also, It'll make him maybe shoot more jumpers, which he's not great at. So it's definitely not going to get that many points or probably assists unless they get a lot of fast break points. If they get a lot of fast break points, then that could that could maybe be uh, bad for this bet. But I think I would take the under two. Okay, cool, cool. No, I uh, I made I made some decent money on Russ early in the season. I had a couple of his overs, yeah. <laughs> but with Harden, I just 
I either see his minutes coming down or at the very least the ball gets out of his hands. And that's two yeah. big things for him for him to go under. Um, yep. The last oh, – I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. Do you have any more? I don't know. That's it. So the last play for me tonight is Chris Stapps Porzingis. Did you ever play against Chris Stapps towards the end of your career? I think so. A couple times when he was with the Knicks, I think. Unicorn, another unicorn, seven three. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have, he doesn't have the handles or the athleticism of a Wembenyama, but he can shoot, um, and yeah. he can bring the ball to the perimeter. So, I have him tonight over seventeen and a half points playing the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, back to that theme, CJ, of if you're on the floor, you have a better chance of accumulating yeah. points, rebounds, and assists. When I look at this Celtics team, they lack size, and they're probably playing the biggest front court in the NBA, in a Nas Reed, yeah. Carl Anthony Towns, um, and obviously Rudy Gobert. So that's going to give his minutes a bump. I look how he performed against Minnesota last season with Cat and Gobert in the lineup. He had the yeah. second best game of 2022-23. He finished with 43 points. If, yeah. I'm, if I'm the Celtics, one, I want Porzingis on the floor. At the very least, I'm pulling Cat or Nas Reed out of the paint, and I'm opening things up for Jalen Brown and Drew Holiday. So oh, yeah. I like... I like the over on his 17 and a half, and I actually think his three uh his three points, uh three pointers hold a little bit of value too. Um oh yeah, for sure. And, I definitely think this is a good bet. All right, cool. I was gonna say, am I am I off base here in my read? I, I want if I'm you know, if I'm the Celtics and I got Drew Holiday and Jalen Brown, two of the best, two of the better finishers, I would say. I yeah. want I want at least one of those bigs out of the paint as much as possible. Go chase Chris Stapps out towards the to the three point line and give me a chance here to create something or finish to the rim and get to the line. So, um, yeah, no, seventeen and a half seems like a good line for Chris Stapps. I think his alt line, so his standard line, is for him to get over one and a half three pointers. Um, I'm playing his alt line, which is can he make three three pointers? Can he make four three pointers? And then you get odds on that. So, um, yeah, a ten dollar yeah, bet pays twenty six. Ten dollar bet pays twenty six on his three threes, and a ten dollar bet pays sixty five on his four threes. So, if you're if you're into the crazy odds out there, which some of some <laughs> of uh, my followers are, that's uh that's where I'm going with this. Um, I did put in a little bit of a, a sideways bet uh on Fanduel. It's a parlay. It's a twenty five dollar bet. It's Chris Stapps three plus three pointers made. It is Chris Stapps twenty plus points, and it is Wembenyama under twenty and a half. I got this odds boost. A $25 bet pays $271. So those are a combination of the uh, plays I put together. And I think you get some decent value on it if you use the FanDuel odds boost. Before we uh, before we wrap up, CJ, is there anything anything you want to plug? Anything, any other topics on your mind for NBA this season? Uh, no, I'm just excited for the NBA, man. It's uh, definitely an exciting time. College basketball obviously is about to start today also, so. Uh, just excited for that. Um, go volunteers, you know. Um, just uh, catch our show with Nick, uh, believe in the Bulls, and that's that's pretty much what it. All you Bulls fans out there, go over to Believe Network, make sure you're listening to CJ Watson and believe in the Bulls. And I think by the deadline, this Bulls team, it's either going to be all in or all out. I'm not sure which way they're going. Um, we'll see if Billy Donovan makes it to the deadline or to the end of the season, but. <laughs> They have they have assets to sell, whether that be DeRozan, whether that be you know Levine could probably bring back some first and some expirings. That uh, that 76ers team, the bottom of it, not that great. Maybe a Jaden Springer, maybe a DeAnthony Melton. I don't know. Um, but I want to see Lonzo back. Do you know anything about if Lonzo's returning this season? You got any inside scoop? 
I have no inside scoop. Uh, I just read what everybody else reads. I don't think he's coming back this season. <laughs> but hopefully he gets healthy, though, but, you know. Traditional point guard in every sense of the term. Uh, I miss watching him play. CJ, I need an NBA mind to throw my batshit bets off of. If you ever want to come back, um, you're obviously more than welcome. So I, I got you. Just give me, just give me 25%. <laughs> you got it, dude. I, I got no problem giving 25%. If you can tell me, if you can tell me what a tips defense does on a nightly basis, I will give you 25% of everything. Um, that's what we're, but that's what we're looking for in the show, man. I need an NBA mind to, to work with my numbers between the two of us. I think we can come up with something solid for, uh, for the betters out there. Oh yeah, um, sure. CJ, thank you so much guys. Best of luck in your bets tonight. And thank you for watching. Take care.